Hey there, welcome to episode 57 of Inbound Agency Journey. As usual, folks, this is Andrew just welcoming you to the podcast. Today we've got a really cool guest. We've got Tiffany Souter from Element 3. This is an awesome conversation. I got the chance to chat with Tiffany. We got into all kinds of great things here on this interview. I think you're going to take away a lot from this because Tiffany and her background, she has a, a heavy brand background, but she also has a heavy finance background. So she and her team at Element 3 tackle client problems with a really cool perspective. They have a great understanding of the client's bottom line, but they also understand what it means to tell a good brand story. So it's not all inbound tactics here. They do a lot of holistic marketing influence through their inbound marketing, and they just do some awesome, awesome stuff. So I had a great time chatting with Tiffany, and I know you're going to take a lot away from this interview. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Hey, Tiffany. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. This will be fun. Yeah, looking forward to just hearing a little bit about your story. So why don't you kind of kick us off and share with listeners the Element 3 story and how you guys have kind of gotten to where you are today. Sure. Um, I have a, I mean, I'll start a little with my own background and then I'll fast forward kind of quickly through the agency's 10 years. Um, I actually have a finance degree and I grew up in a super nerdy like business house. So, you know, there's people whose dad like is in the backyard and they grow up <laughs> with, you know, remembering your dad throwing baseballs and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That was not what we did. My dad would pay us money to read things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and E-Myth. And so very funny. So I'm a, wow. certainly a product of my upbringing. Um, he was very and is very passionate about financial literacy. And, you know, I guess he was uh, from a young age intentional about helping us be successful adults. And we, I mean, we had fun and we did stuff, but that was really sort of the environment I grew up in. So I have a, um, a finance degree from a business school. And so that's fairly atypical, I would say, for um, presidents of agencies inside this business. A lot of them came from the art side and kind of um, for copywriter, senior you know, copywriter, creative director, executive creative director, and then they either go off and start their own thing or they're running the agency. So we come at the marketing from a really strong business lens. Um, and I, you know, our clients tell us our superpower is really being able to translate all this marketing lingo and all this stuff that, you know, these tools that we have as marketers in a way that really fits into the context of the world that they live in every day and the business. And how do we, how do we fit that puzzle piece into their world instead of them trying to figure out how to sort of do that on their own? So, um, I've been running the agency 10 years, and it's kind of a tale of two parts. The first five years, I would say we really struggled with figuring out what our identity was and how we were going to break away from what everybody in the category looked like. Um, and then um, about four or five years ago, um, I decided to become a HubSpot partner and really leaned hard into that opportunity and worked really closely with my Rep, and we really got our arms around what does it mean to really take accountability for the money that you're spending on behalf of clients and how do you um, do a really good job at that. So 
Um, HubSpot was absolutely a catalyst for our agency. Um, we have, you know, continue to use HubSpot, continue to have inbound be as part of nearly every client that we work for. But we are very, I would say, uh, well-rounded in the strategies that we deploy for clients. And I think that's a little different than some of my traditional sort of inbound agency peers. So we do traditional media. We do um, brand strategy, big uh, research um, projects with clients. So we really work at a brand level and then work in lots of different strategic comp- aspects, not just inbound, although that is a discipline and a, and a part of the strategy that we offer our clients. So, um, yeah, so we're 45 people. We're in Indianapolis. Um, um, I don't know. What else can I tell you that's helpful? That's kind of who <laughs> that, we are. That's great. I'm curious about like the strong brand presence that you have. And you can get that feel just being on your website. You can tell that you guys are storytellers and you weave that into it. Five years ago, when you decided to lean hard into inbound, did that shake the team up at all? Or how did you maintain this balance as you pushed into this new area of focus? Yeah. Oh, that's such an insightful question. It was such a tragic part of our history. Um, People like my team thought I was crazy, Um, in part because it was still fairly unproven. Um, And I think that whenever your team is following you into sort of new territory, um, and you don't have a ton of proof that it's going to work. They want assurances, and I was—I uh, couldn't give them to those sort of you know that to them real discreetly. But I think the decision that we made back then is that brand and storytelling, positioning, you know, telling bold stories in the marketplace was a really a strong part of our DNA then, um, in, in sort of the first five years. And I, I said we won't abandon that. This won't just become a math equation about where we put, you know, uh, PPC and some of that can become, it's almost like running a hedge fund, right? It's just math. You don't, you're not really having a strong appreciation for the creative and art side of our, of our discipline. And so I made the promise very early that we would never, we'd never divorce ourselves from that. And like with anything, you know, the pendulum swings and we had to really figure out where the right equilibrium is for us in that. Um, but I believe with every part of my being that brand is going to be the last great currency in marketing, that as the rate of innovation on the product side becomes so fast, the ability for companies to maintain a, I mean, you see what happening with the iPhone, right? Like Apple struggling with iPhone sales right now. It's because Samsung and all these other brands have all of a sudden caught up with the product side. And so it, we just, I don't think we can out innovate um, for very long anymore uh, in the products inside of our companies and the services inside of our companies. And so I think the last thing that is going to create sizable enterprise value for companies is going to be brands. Um, and, and I believe that with everything that I am, uh, everything. Okay. So um I think inbound is part of that. I think that I think that there's a lot of different things we have to understand as marketers to help create the right equity in our consumers' minds um, about what the companies we represent are trying to do. So okay, so when you're when you want to take that mindset and apply it into a client's business, how do you begin to scope that? Like, where do you guys start in terms of helping them? 
uh, with with brand, with message, with clarity, and then blending inbound tactics into that? How do you usually get started with a client? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so that we don't bore the, you know, sort of observers of this conversation with process discussion. I think that the heart of it is really spending a lot of time at the executive level and understanding what is their vision? Like, why, why do you, why are you guys doing all this stuff? Like, what difference do you want to make in the world because of this thing you're building, this product you're delivering, this service you're, ex- like, why, why are you doing all this? And I think a couple um, very core fundamental things happen that, start, that waters things down once they get to the marketplace. One is that as, as business leaders, as people who work inside companies, we become so obsessed with the thing that we do that we forget how it translates to the marketplace. Yeah. And so then we go to the market and we talk about this is what we do. I do, you know, we do tweets, we do LinkedIn, we do emails, we do landing pages, we do websites, we do, like nobody gives a crap about any of that stuff. And we forget that the reason we do all of those things is to to make sizable impacts in the way that people perceive brands and interact with them and to add enterprise value. Like that's why we do all that stuff. And it happens at, you know, technology companies and uh, accounting firms and law firms and all these different is we become so enamored with our service and fundamentally what we do that we forget the reason why. And so then when our salespeople and we communicate about our product, we have this we have lens instead of you get lens. And so turning everybody's perspective 180 degrees is a huge part of what we do and giving them different language and words to connect sort of their every day to the marketplace. The, the The other piece sort of fundamentally is that the vision is not passionately translated to every part of the company. And so really the, the people who are touching the marketplace don't actually know why the heck we're all doing this. Like why do we have a company and why do we keep investing money and why do we have share, like why, why are we doing all this? And, um, you know, there's brands like Tom's, well, you know, they do an incredible, we as consumers know it's one for one. Like that's the reason they sell shoes is so that they can give them away. Um, but in the B2B space particularly, I think, they, I think leaders suck at that. And part of what we do is help the leader and sometimes reignite their own purpose and passion, give them words to articulate that, and then connect that to the marketplace with messaging, et cetera. So it can't all be like you know, emotional videos that make you cry. We have to sell product and service. Um, but we forget about why. And that... Um, so that's another sort of core piece of what we do. Obviously, there's you know lots of interviews and customer research and marketplace you know dynamics, all that kind of stuff that we go take in. But fundamentally, that's what we help do. Okay. Do you have a any recent stories, uh, client stories that you could share where you kind of walked a a client through this discovery process and reignited the either passion that was behind a vision at one point and faded, or helped them discover a passion that wasn't there before? Um, yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of what we do that we, uh, can't talk about until it's sort of long past in part because we work a lot in, uh, like where there's private equity groups and they do big roll-ups of companies. So we do a lot of work before it hits the market. But one brand that I'll talk about that we work with is, um, Airstream 
I don't know if you're familiar with, it's like a silver bullet looking travel, like RV. Um, They look very, lots of people think they're only vintage ones, that they're not new ones are manufactured, but in fact they are. And I think that's a brand um, in a category that has done an incredible job of understanding that it's really not at all about the product. It's about helping people find adventure. And so getting the chance to really work on a brand and to make sure that they never see themselves as a product company because they, well, they are on their P&L, they aren't. Like they are, they are granters of adventure wishes. And the more they see themselves that way, that's how they really connect with their customer and really ignite this very passionate group of like, of like vigilantes practically. Um, <laughs> So that's sort of, a, I would say, like a, a, a mountaintop type of example of a company that's done a really good job of understanding at the end of the day, yes, we have to transact business by selling somebody a unit, but what we're handing them is not steel on wheels. We're handing them really a gateway into adventure for their lives and their family. Um, and they've done a good job of, I would say, taking that into the culture from top to bottom. Um, so that would be an example. Okay. And then from a process standpoint, what, uh, how do you guys start working with a client like this? Is it always kick off with a discovery phase and then you kind of figure out what, what work needs done or how do you, how do you begin to get the team? Cause this is really all about motivating behavior change. So how do you start something like that and get a team to buy in to the point where they're sharing that vision and getting the whole company to adopt to that? adventure seeker attitude yeah so um is the question how like how do we motivate an executive team or my apologies no that's all right i'm curious about where do you start so the place that we start is really um understanding the strategic plan that the executive team has for the company because if they can't see a linkage between the things that we're telling them they need to pay to go do to ultimately what they're promising their shareholders they need to do in the marketplace. And it makes no sense for us to do our work. So that's really where we start is understanding where does the business need to go? I mean, I say all the time, marketing is about moving a company from point A to point B. And if you don't as clearly as you can, Mr. Businessman or woman, help me understand in your mind's eye what point B looks like, I may drive your company in a direction that is not expedient for where you need to go. Um, and so that's, I mean, we spend a lot of time crystallizing our own view of where they're headed and understanding of that and also making sure that they've thought through. Um, I mean, if I create demand 10,000 units for a product that you have the production capacity to do 2,000 units of, like that's a disaster for you, right? Um, so really understanding that direction and then we go and get an independent view of their brand from the marketplace so we basically say you're not going to hear from us for eight weeks and that's going to be really unnerving to you because you want to be in my ear (laughs) but i'm going to go talk to your customers i'm going to go attend trade shows i'm going to go maybe secret shop some of your competitors i'm going to go get my own a you know a more objective view of the way the marketplace perceives your brand how you fit into that and what we think the marketplace opportunity is, and then come back and have a discussion. Um, and that's a really powerful part of the process for us, obviously, but also for the you know the teams that we work for. Um, 
because you have such a strong, you know, you have biases and filters that you take everything through when you're really deep into something. Um, so that's sort of number two. And then we start, you know, synthesizing all of those inputs and where the you know, company wants to head and start making recommendations. And then like with anything, we, we test messages in the marketplace. We might have some campaigns that we test online to see, you know, how market segments are responding to give us some feedback. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. I love that process of just first figuring out where do they want to go and then gaining the objective view. I think that's really important. And I think as inbound agencies, it's hard for some agencies to get that sort of a view because either the executive team is just so closed off and they think that they know everything or mm -hmm. they won't give the, the agency the access to gain that objective view. But without yeah. that, it's really hard to really deliver any value. Yeah, actually, one of the criteria in our sales process when we're talking to companies is um, we ask the leadership, are you open to being wrong? Um, or if we can't sort of sense that, if they're like in tell mode from like the very beginning, we generally won't take it on um, because we are really terrible. Um, I would say we are really terrible order takers, really terrible as a company at, or at taking orders. And, um, and we set that expectation of like, we want to hear your perspective and certainly you have insights into the you know, industry that we need to hear, but we also want to know that you're open to being wrong and that yeah. if we challenge some of your par you know, perspectives that you're going to be open to listening to that. Yeah. And so if, if a client or a prospect, I guess, gives pushback, that's the red flag for your team to kind of move them out of the sales process. Yeah, and you know, we a lot of times look for evidence of other areas in their business where they've sought outside help and how has that gone and you know, for agency number 84 um I, you know, it's like, well, okay, are the, really did you find the 83 most incompetent agencies in the world or are they, are they not really the problem? <laughs> you know? Like let's let's see if there's some self-awareness here. So Yeah, cool. Uh, now, shifting to your team, you said you've got 45 folks on the team. Can you share with us a little bit about how that team is structured and how their work is divided up, whether they in-house or remote? Just kind of share that team overview. Yeah. So everybody works from our office here in Indianapolis. Um, and uh, we, most people come into the office every day. Um, we don't have a lot of, um, you know, we let people live their lives or they have doctor's appointments or kids soccer games or, you know, things they need to do at school or whatever. Like, I would say we have very much an open environment to go do what you need to do. Um, but we really believe a lot in the power of sort of human contact and collaborating together. Um, that's how we've, I would say, figured out how to do our best work. Um, in the last mm, six to eight months, we just restructured the company. And now we work in um, a team structure. So there's between five and nine people on any team and that's like cross discipline. So you'll have an account executive, a project manager, a digital strategist, a writer, an art director, um, uh, that type, you know, that type of setup, you might have multiple inside those roles or might be a production person. And they have between two and five clients per, per like business, per team. Um, and they've got revenue goals and utilization goals and contribution margin goals. And we kind of run them, I would say almost like a, a plant or like a business unit inside of the agency. Okay. So they have their own P&Ls that we publish to them each month. Um, and they have, um, you know, a, a revenue goal that they need to hit. And now 
I'm a partner in hitting those. Like I invest a lot in our own marketing. We have a sales team. So they're not on an island in any sort of respect with that. We really help them get there. Um, but that creates a lot of visibility. We're a high-performance culture. Um, and so everybody knows sort of at any given point, like how are we doing? Um, so, yeah, so we've been in that. You know, the key to being able to go into that kind of structure is you have to have big clients. Um, because if you have, let's say, I'm just going to use like round numbers here. If you need $1.5 million in revenue to support, you know, a team and you have 15, 100,000, you know, dollar clients, that is so many different like brands and projects to jump in and out of over the course of a week for just seven people. But if they have two, then they get really deep into the brand. They get really, um, you know, really, really obsessive and really start to understand the audience at a whole different level. One of my account executives, uh, I'll use Airstream again, he went on a two-month cross-country road trip. He hooked an Airstream up to a pickup truck, stayed at campgrounds from literally from coast to coast and just wow. met with, you know, met Airstream owners and understood the lifestyle and all the things that are cool and glamorous about it and all the things that, like, suck. Like, you're literally, you know, hauling your bed around and, you know, have to empty your, you know, bathroom and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he he came back so fired up about the brand and really understanding the voice of the customer in a way that, um, you know, in a way that's really hard to do. So, you know, we try to get that close to it. That's amazing. Can you talk to me about the new employee onboarding process? Because it sounds like you guys have a, a very or you're very engaged in your office culture. So how do you find and attract the right type of people to fit into those teams who are a fit for that culture? Yeah, so I would say we are incredible at, uh, we have our values very defined. We, we are very intentional about managing those. All of our performance reviews annually are against our company values. Um, we reward against those. Um, I actually just finished a document for our company that was how our values inform the Element 3 content strategy. Um, so we're very thoughtful about that. Um, and I would say we do a really good job of integrating people into our culture. So they are assigned a, um, a mentor is not the right word because it's usually at the same level of them, um, but it's sort of a buddy of like, you know, where do people go for lunch and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so that people feel like they're integrated into kind of what's going on. We also just completed this really cool like new employee box um, that has uh, a water bottle, a key to the office, a T-shirt, sort of like a list of inside jokes and terminology that you need to know. Oh, that's cool. um, uh, like seating chart, like the official names for conference rooms and the like slang names for conference rooms. Um, you know, sort of the things that like make you feel like an insider fast versus like what in the world, like on the, on the wall, it totally says this name. Like, why does everybody keep calling it this? (laughs) Um, like key consultants that have like nicknames that we call them just so that they sort of can learn the lingo fast. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, uh, we, we have, we have a kickball team and we take that way too seriously and so we sort of let them know what the ground rules is as far as making jokes about that like (laughs) you know so um yeah so I think we're really good at that one of the things we're working on I know some of the questions that I've heard other people talk about is 
you know, where we are looking to improve as an agency. And I think as you get more clear about where you're headed, how you onboard employees, this is a place where we, we are seeking to get better, and it's a core initiative of ours this year, is onboarding employees better into their functional role. Um, like what are the things you need to do and what are the processes you need to comply with and where are the, thing, where are the files and things you need to do your job. Um, we're, I would say we're more of like an awkward teenager um, <laughs> on that kind of stuff. Um, but on the culture stuff, um, we're, we're fairly mature in that area. Okay. So you're trying to hone down more of the operational process of getting someone in, get them access to all that they need, get them configured properly? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Now, if you were, if you were to chat with someone who is in your shoes, maybe five years ago when you started leaning into the inbound, um, idea, what, what words of advice would you offer them as they're trying to get their business up and going, pointing towards the direction that you guys are at right now? Uh, I would say learn how to sell, like invest an enormous amount of time and money into learning how to sell. Uh, this is not a complicated business. Like if you have enough money to cover your costs, you get to make money. If you don't, you go out of business. Like you don't have inventory, you don't have complicated cost of goods sold, you don't have, you know, capital tied up and in equipment and plants and, you know, PP&E, I'm a cost accountant, plant property and equipment. Like you don't you don't, it's not complicated. Um so there's one thing you need to control and that's revenue. Um and if you do that well, you get to keep your people, you get to invest in those people, you get to make money yourself, you get to, you know, take your family on trips that you, you know, have always dreamed of. And um, that's all, like, that is the secret sauce, in my opinion, learn how to sell. That is fantastic. Tiffany, thank you so much. You've shared so much insight and I really appreciate you tapping in and sharing with us the um, the Airstream example and just how you guys are doing such a good job of blending story with tactic. I think that's a, a big takeaway here for folks. If anyone's listening and they want to reach out and say hi, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, um, I'm, I would say my favorite uh, social media is LinkedIn. So if you uh, connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message, uh, I'm pretty good at that. And then also Twitter, uh, you can DM me or uh, just send a message, and that's at Tiffany Souter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your inbound agency journey. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. All right. Denver, now, back to the show. Great conversation with Tiffany. Love that interview. Um, imagine a company like Element 3 from what, what you can see from the outside. Imagine the person who runs that having her stuff together. Right. It's not, not, not hard to guess that that would be the case. Um, and you and I have both had the opportunity to see Tiffany speak in person a couple of times. And um, she's an inspiring lady. She's, uh, she's done a great job growing the agency. And from growing up, getting paid to read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The E-Myth um, to where they are today, uh, you just kind of get this sense that 
almost everything that goes on has a clear purpose and a plan and it's uh coming together in this uh in this strategic mastermind to make things go and grow i have a couple things that i wanted to dig, to dig into here and the the very first thing i want to bring up is um this is probably halfway through the interview maybe after you kind of talked about element 3 and the services that they provide how they Inbound is is definitely a big piece, but they do a lot of traditional media brand strategy and stuff. And the statement that she made, and it sounds like she's thought about this a lot, and I want to bring this up and get your thoughts on it, was she said brand is going to be the last great currency in marketing. And basically this concept of um, it's just going to become harder and harder to out-innovate the competition. Products are becoming commoditized. So – in that scenario, the last great value for companies will be their brand. I thought about that and um, right at the moment as I'm still kind of processing through this and I'm excited to process through it together, everything that she's saying makes a lot of sense. From that statement, uh, Dimmer, are you in the buy, hold, or sell camp on that that stance? <laughs> I'm buying it big time because my mind went right away to Dollar Shave Club. Um, I'm a big fan of Dollar Shave Club, but I thought like they're selling razors that are that cost cents to produce, you know. And they've done a lot of things right as a company. They've kind of created a whole market around, um, you know, bathroom supplies getting shipped to you on subscription. But when I think about that, like what sets them apart from anyone else? They're just peddling. The same stuff that's all that is being manufactured for very very cheap, and it's the brand, it's the feeling that you get being a Dollar Shave Club customer that gets you really excited. Um, it's you know the video, the viral video that launched the company. It's the kind of the fun cheeky emails that they send. It's the fun notes that you get. Pause, pause, pause. You just said cheeky. Oh, you which, know, might. Which was very, uh, very pun i don't know whether it was intended or unintended <laughs> that's all i just wanted to i just want to call it out and <laughs> they're a fun brand they do cool things um and that just made me think like when tiffany was mentioning that like you the product doesn't matter like it the razor doesn't matter as long as it shaves your face and i don't cut myself like it's good what sets them apart is the personality and the brand behind it that's what moves the goods off the shelf and so that's where I thought Tiffany was right on the money. And what I loved about the conversation was it's not just a talking point that she brings up in a speech. She she actually lives this stuff out. A member of their agency went and toured in a freaking Airstream trailer for weeks just to get an idea of what's that culture like and to tell a brand story around the people that are living in it every single day. So. I love that she comes from that brand perspective and that it's not just about, you know, the ROI metrics, about the conversion rate optimization, about all the tactical stuff, but she comes at it from a, a point of story and telling that story well, but then backing that up then, backing that, that healthy brand up with a strong marketing automation system, a strong uh, digital strategy to reinforce that. And then doing it all with a finance background so that she's got a very bottom line approach that she can then communicate really well with the C-suite. I think, great. It's, e it's easy to see why they've been successful. I'm not saying it was easy for them, but you can see that they've laid a lot of the strong building pieces together to create a successful engagement. So I think the challenge from this interview to any other inbound agency out there is 
Don't accept the brand as it comes to you, but try to push into that. And I think that this just highlights, again, the discovery process and how important it is to make sure that we're all on board with telling the same story. Because if we're going to create content on an ongoing basis, we need to reach some point of unison, some point of connection around the story that we're telling as a company through that content because we cannot escape that. We cannot just be uh, to-dos and how-tos. That's commoditization, but we need to bring folks into a journey. We need to tell them a story, and I think that Tiffany and the team there are doing an awesome job at that, and it was really, really cool to hear that Airstream example and see it in action. Right, for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat. I think the brand, and I'm a little bit of a contrarian. You might laugh at a little bit. Um so I was trying to come up with some way that maybe a brand, like what else would be the last great currency? Um, is that position, is that overstating the position? But I really think that your identity is, uh, is huge. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what really sets you apart from the competition. Um, as long as people's expectations are met with the service, um, then the the people who they most identify with and respect, that's who they're going to want to do and trust. That's who they're going to want to do business with. Um, the one thing that I will, uh, that I didn't mention at the beginning, but also wanted to pull this out was Tiffany was open about the fact, and you, you look at what element three has done now, the fact that they have an elephant on their homepage, let's just throw that out there as well. And you think these guys knew who they know who they are. They've got their identity down. Um, and no wonder that they've been successful. But you kind of hinted at this, and it, it wasn't an easy road. And really talking about uh, Tiffany's struggle to find and, and the struggle that they went through to find their identity as an agency. That that's not just a today we figured out our identity. Now we just need to go build this. It is a journey. <laughs> it is a process to figure out who you are as an agency and, wh- and what you're going to become and how it all comes together. So it's easy to look at them and say. Um, with the background and with the the choices that they've made, no wonder they've been successful. But we're looking at Element 3 today, 10 years in, and having gone through that struggle. And so just as a reminder to everyone out there who's not uh, maybe at that um, phase in their growth trajectory, um, first of all, that may not be your growth trajectory, what you, what you want to reach. But uh, figuring out who you are and what you want to become um, is a big first step, and that's not something that happens overnight. Yes. So much good stuff in here, Gray. I feel like we could recap the entire length of the interview, hitting on all this stuff. But um, let's wrap it up here. Any any final final thoughts that you took away from here that if you are starting your inbound agency today and you listen to this episode, you're like, ah, I need to remember that one thing. All right. Well, here's my here's the last thing um, from Tiffany. It was just talking about spending. Uh, being willing to invest heavily and becoming good at sales. And mm. I think that that's something, if you're going to be an agency owner, sales does not come naturally to me. But as an agency owner, it's not just customers who I have to sell, but I have to be able to sell uh, potential employees, partners. You know, all, there's all kinds of people you need to be able to build relationships, forge trust with, and find a way to create win-win situations where everyone can succeed and grow. And so, and that's that's really what sales comes down to. So I think being willing to make that investment is a big deal. Awesome, dude. You nailed it. I totally agree with that when she dropped that. I think that's fantastic. So, folks, awesome insight in here. I hope you walk away thinking – how can I strengthen my discovery process and how can I get folks united around an idea and 
communicate with the client, um, are you okay with being wrong? I thought that was one point that Tiffany mentioned that is really, really insightful. It goes back to uh, Remington's interview last week where we talked about um, you know, the client getting a lot of whys from the team. Push your clients on their opinions. Don't just do something because you're asked to do it, but say how does this impact the goals that we agreed upon during our discovery process. Next week, we bring back to the podcast the one, the only, Nick Sal. Nick is no longer working with HubSpot. He is now working on the Content Marketer's Blueprint over at IMR. Awesome conversation there, and it's going to be good to get him back on and get an update on what's going on there, how things are rolling, and how it impacts the inbound agency community great insight in that interview Uh, until next week if you want to grab stuff first before anyone else get delivered right to your podcast app head over to itunes and subscribe to inbound agency journey if you grab your podcast on any other platform just give us a search there subscribe to the subscribe to the show and you can grab this content before anyone else Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.